people get in the room. Uh, this is the networking lunch sponsored by the Westminster Society on preparing for worship. So if that's what you're looking for, you're in the right spot. If it's not, I hope you'll stay anyway. Uh, let me just uh, give you a, a brief introduction here uh, about what the Westminster Society is. Maybe some of you attended our uh, leadership training sessions uh, yesterday, and uh, if you did, you're going to hear some of this again, so I apologize about that. Uh, but the Westminster Society is uh, an informal networking group in the EPC now in our uh, third year officially. Uh, and what we are is uh, just a, a group of elders in the church that want to get together on these occasions and, and have very particular conversations centered around our shared confession of faith and how it influences our Of course, I picked a Lutheran. Our ministry together. Uh, we are, we are not no, I didn't actually see him. A, I was like, oh. Brother did that. Uh, oh, that's good. Ministry in the EBC whatsoever. In fact, the EBC has asked us to continue doing these events and asked us to do the Leadership Institute events uh, because they see it really uh, meeting a need that a lot of people have about wanting to have these conversations. And the fact that you're here these. shows the fact you're interested in that, and we're very, very thankful for that. Um, one of our primary resources that we do uh, in between General Assemblies, though, is our print journal. Now in its third year. Uh, the theme for this year's journal was on the beauty of the local church. And so all the submissions uh, here by pastors, missionaries, and seminary faculty are all in reflection on the topic of the beauty of the local church. There's systematic theology and biblical theology and exegetical theology and practical theology and church history in here. There's all sorts of really good things, so something for your interest. Uh, and let me just tell you that our 2020 edition has already been announced. The theme is going to be on... Salvation by Grace, the Ordo Salutis, the Order of Salvation. So we're uh, requesting articles on that topic. Uh, on page 267 of this journal, there are details on how you can be uh, a contributing writer and the process that you need to go through to, to do that. So if that's an interest that you have, we'd love to connect with you about that. Or check out this, uh, the back of this page, uh, in the very back of this journal for those details. Um, so I have these three copies to hand out to anyone who would like one. Me, me, me. See this brother me, here? Me, me, right here. Me, me. Chris, you want to launder? Okay, I was going to throw it at you. Uh, these copies are also available on Amazon right now for quite a modest price, but then after General Assembly, they'll go up a little bit. Wow. Not because we're making money on them by any means, but uh, well, what? They're up now. Okay, everyone, Brandon, would you stand up real quick? Uh, this is Ruling Elder Brandon Queen. Brandon does all the layouts and publications yeah. for our journal for us. So, he does a fantastic job. So, uh, if you would like more information about that, I'd be very glad to talk to you about that. My name is Matt Hopkins, and I would love to do that. Uh, Stephen Hess is also here, uh, original member of the Westminster Society. So, when we say membership, it's really just a fancy way of saying the people who originally started it. So, whatever. <laughs> Uh, anyway, but today uh, we have a great pleasure to hear from Paul Bamel. He's pastor of Bethany EPC in Havertown, Pennsylvania, and he is one year into a new call there, so right? Six months. Six months? Great. And he's going to be reflecting on the idea of how we prepare for worship and coming with reverence to worship the Triune God. So, very excited to hear from him. Paul, yeah. let's go. Thank you. All right, um, I handed out some uh, sheets for a hymn. And I'd like to start with the hymn. Um, I don't know that this side got as many, so we may need to, if some can share, we can maybe, did everybody get, can see one, whatever. If you're able, I want to invite you to stand and let's sing together a hymn. Your mic's not It is. It's just recording. Uh, I got a couple more sheets here if anybody, uh, a few more, if anybody wants one of these. Sure. Here we go, and you can pass some of those around. 
All right, I heard, I heard uh, yesterday Mike Gloto did this, and I was like, oh, man, it totally steals some of the thunder here. I uh, wanted to do something different, but this is the second time uh, we'll do this. But uh, I wanted to, uh, to sing a hymn before we begin. Uh, and then we'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, so we're going to sing A Mighty Fortress is Our God. And so uh, is there someone who's really musically gifted in the room that wants to just start us off, uh, Juan? A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Our helper, he amid the flood of mortal prevailing for still our ancient foe doth seek to work us woe his craft and power are great and armed with cruel hate on earth is not his Did we in our own strength confide, our striving would be losing. Were not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing? Dost ask who that may be? Christ Jesus, it is He, Lord Sabbath, His name, from age to age the same, and He must win the battle. And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us. We will not fear, for God hath will His truth to triumph through us. The Prince of Darkness grim, we tremble not for Him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. One little word shall fail him. That word above all earthly powers, no thanks to them abideth. The Spirit and the gifts are ours through Him who with us sided. Let goods and kindred go, this mortal life also, the body they may kill. God's truth abideth still. His kingdom is forever. Please be seated. Uh, let's, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, 
our mighty fortress, our God. Lord, you are worthy of all our praise. <coughs> Amidst all the persecution we may face, Lord, may we stand firm and strong, wearing the armor that you have placed upon us, that you have given to us, and with the strength of the Holy Spirit in our body. Lord, we pray that you would help us to honor you and to glorify you and to praise you and lift up your name above all other names, for there is no other name under heaven that can save. You are the Lord. Lord, thank you for this time you've given us together over this networking lunch. Thank you for this time we have to investigate your scriptures and to discuss the things that, uh, that we might be a part of to prepare our own hearts to worship. But Lord, we know that ultimately we need you to prepare our hearts. We need you to soften our hearts. We need you to send your Holy Spirit to give us a heart of flesh instead of the heart of stone that we have uh, been so foolish to, to run and callous uh, in many ways to, towards you. But Lord, we remember your great forgiveness and mercy, and we are thankful that you have gathered us here together as a family to worship you, to praise you, to give thanks for you. And uh, we thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 <clears throat> Since this is the Westminster Society, uh, I wanted to start with a Westminster Confession, a, a paragraph from the Westminster Confession in chapter 21, uh, paragraph 8, a very familiar one if you've been to Presbytery meetings, uh, because you might have heard this as a paragraph that people take exception to. Uh, when they are being examined for ordination uh, to become a candidate. Here's what the Westminster Confession of Faith says. The Sabbath is kept holy unto the Lord when men prepare their hearts for it, arrange for their daily affairs to be taken care of beforehand, rest the whole day from their own works and words and from thoughts about their worldly activities and recreations, and take up the whole time in public and private worship and in the duties of necessity and mercy. Uh, a great paragraph. Uh, I'm not going to get into the whole uh, work and, uh, and recreation on the Sabbath. We're not going to talk about that here today. The purpose, though, uh, really uh, that I want to address is the Sabbath is kept holy unto the Lord when men prepare their hearts for it. And it's not just men, men and women. When we prepare our hearts uh, for the Lord, the Sabbath is kept holy. That's a part of keeping the Sabbath holy. So I want to look today about preparing our hearts for the Sabbath, about preparing our hearts uh, to come and worship the Lord. Uh, we hear a lot of times in, in, uh, in uh, really promotions for churches, hey, come as you are. Uh, it's such a low bar that we have now in our culture of uh, we will do everything we can to get you in the door. Because we have a great message, I think it comes from a good heart, right? Uh, the right motive of, of wanting people to come and hear about God, to hear about Jesus. But there's something that I think the Westminster Divines want us to know and want us to, uh, to wrestle with and want us to, uh, to really put some thought in and, and behind. And that is how we would prepare our hearts uh, for worship. Uh, William Taylor, um, he said, It is pertinent to remind you that the first grand indispensable qualification for the leading of public devotion is a filial heart. Uh, it's, there's a matter of the heart when we come to worship the Lord 
that the Lord is interested in. Uh, I don't know about you, but I don't always come to worship with a heart that's prepared. I'm not always uh, anticipating the Sabbath as I should. And so I want this to be a time in our networking lunch that we have today to be a, a reminder, an encouragement, a challenge. Uh, I want to take a look at uh, a, f- a couple places in Scripture uh, where I think we maybe have uh, some, some warrant to say, hey, maybe we can incorporate some of this into how we prepare our hearts and how our hearts can be readied to honor our Lord in coming for worship. Uh, so if you brought your Bible, uh, this would be a great point to take it out, dust it off, right? And I know many of us have the, uh, the digital version of the Bible. And that's just fine as, as well. Uh, we're going to look at a couple passages, uh, and then we're going to talk through them a little bit. And then I'd like to give a, a little bit of, of application kind of as we go. And then I'd like for the remainder of the time to be a, uh, a discussion more than a lecture, uh, where we can uh, address some of the things that maybe you're already doing and could be a great encouragement to someone else. Uh, and, uh, and hey, I, I'm going to steal that idea. So you're going to have permission to steal ideas from from this, uh, this time we have together. But if you turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 19, uh, Exodus 19, this is right before the Ten Commandments are going to be given uh, to the Israelites in, uh, at Mount Sinai. And uh, we're going to look at verses 10 through 13. Hear the word of the Lord. The Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. And let them wash their garments and be ready for the third day. For on the third day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. And you shall set the limits for the people all around, saying, Take care not to go up into the mountain or touch the edge of it. Whoever touches the mountain shall be put to death. No hand shall touch him, but he shall be stoned or shot. Whether beast or man, he shall not live. When the trumpet sounds, a long blast, they shall come up the mountain, up to the mountain. And then I'll continue all the way through 15. So Moses went down from the mountain to the people and consecrated the people. And they washed their garments. And he said to the people, be ready for the third day. Do not go near a woman. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, A very fascinating uh, text for me. I was uh, uh, teaching through the Pentateuch this last uh, year with a a group of of elders and we were just uh, members of the church and we were walking through and I remember being just awestruck at the preparation for receiving the commands of God, for receiving the word of God, to hear it from the Lord and how they, how God commanded Moses to go and prepare the people to come and worship. A a few things I want us to take note in this text. Uh, The first is that uh, Moses is commanded to go, to go to the people. He is commanded not to to just uh, be in his office, the the pastor's office, right? And uh, and kind of wait for people to kind of come and, hey, what's going on over here? Is something happening? But he's actually commanded, go. I want you to go to the people. I want you to go to the church and I want you to prepare them. Because something is about to happen. I'm about to come and reveal my word and give my word, give my commands. And I want you to be ready to receive this. Uh, He says, go. And so I wonder in this, in how we uh, how we train our people to be prepared for worship, how we how we help them understand what it is we're about to do every Sunday morning. How we uh, gather them together and and, uh, do we in our uh, new member classes have a a section of training that says this is how you prepare to come and worship. 
Uh, I know we would probably, many of us would desire to, as pastors, that the, the members of the church would read the scripture ahead of time and would, would pray over and study the scripture before even coming, that they might already be a little bit engaged with what God's word is saying and and uh, be prepared to hear a proclamation of God's Word. But I, I wonder if we uh, even encourage people to do that and remind people, hey, this is a part of coming. Uh, if you're a pastor, I encourage you to have your sermon text uh, laid out for a while so people can do that. And then to publish those and to, uh, to not uh, change what passage of Scripture you're going to do on Saturday. Right? You might be able to do that occasionally, but for the most of the time, uh, I want to encourage you to, uh, to consider uh, choosing a text and then being forced to preach it and knowing that, that others are reading the text and so you're going to have to get it right <clears throat> because they're prepared to hear and they should hear what they've read, not whatever message we want to bring. They should hear something of what they've already read and, and been prepared in. So I, I wonder how we might uh, train our people, how we might go to our people and train them and say, hey, this is a part of getting ready to worship. Uh, so we want to go to them. Uh, there's another command here, and that is that uh, Moses was to consecrate the people. Two days. It's going to take some time. You're going to go around. But what is consecrate? It's to make or declare something sacred. To set it apart. You're going to be holy. You're going to be clean. You're going to be in right standing before God. So I think uh, pastors, I think uh, we have a responsibility uh, to go to the people and to remind them that they are forgiven, that they are clean, and that they are to come and celebrate. But we're going to set them apart from the world. We're going to consecrate them. We're going to make them holy as if we have that ability uh, and I say this to the pastors, but now I also say this to the elders, ruling elders. This is a great thing for our ruling elders to engage in, uh, to go out to the people of God and to encourage them that they are the holy children of God. And we're going to call them in just a, a few days time. We're going to gather together to worship the Lord together. And do you understand what we're doing when we come together? We are worshiping the Lord, the King of Kings. The mighty God. And so we want to help people understand that. We want to uh, perhaps uh, pray over uh, the bread and the juice before we set it out. And then, uh, pastors, I imagine uh, all of us would pray to uh, consecrate the bread and the juice when we're uh, celebrating. I, I use, often use the words, uh, Lord, uh, take these ordinary elements of bread and wine or the fruit of the vine and, and set them apart. Right? Prepare these, these, this bread and this juice to be ready to be a spiritual presence of Jesus Christ for his people. That they would taste and see that the Lord is good. I can even prepare elements. And so you might even uh, prepare the sanctuary and, and set this apart and be, get it ready uh, for worship. So we want to consecrate. Uh, uh, I wonder... Um, uh, in this, uh, when we consecrate things, uh, I, I wrestle with how, how should I dispense of unused uh, communion bread and wine? Our pastor says as much as we use of it. Uh, okay. Okay. So I, I've uh, been in charge of uh, having the leftovers, right? And what do I do with it? I've, I, I don't feel comfortable 
I've made this holy. I've asked the Lord to to bless it. And so uh, I want to dispose of it even in an appropriate way. Not in the same way I would something else. And in the same way, when we talk to our people about preparing them for worship, we want them to know that our God is a forgiving God. God is a holy God. Our God is a God that deserves to be worshipped and glorified and praised. And so we consecrate them. We make them holy so that they can come and participate in worshiping the Lord. So he says... uh, we're reminded here, God tells Moses, go to the people, consecrate them today and tomorrow. This is a, a work that's going to take some time, right? It's not just something that you just kind of, okay, I got everybody. We're all good. No, it's going to take a couple days here for Moses. We're going to have to be among the people. And so I want to encourage us as pastors, as elders, to get among the people, to help them to know that they are to be ready to come and worship the Lord. We're about to worship the Lord. And, and sometimes I think uh, we maybe only think of doing things like this on maybe special Sundays, right? Uh, Easter, Christmas. Oh, we're going to do something special for this special day. But the Lord's day is a special day where God gathers his church that we can worship Him, that we can praise Him, that we can give Him thanksgiving. Uh, It says in verse 11, and be ready. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm going to go back to verse 10. Uh, Go to the people, consecrate them today and tomorrow. And then the third thing he says in this verse 10, let them wash their garments. That's an interesting uh, thing. Now remember where the people are, right? They've been uh, in the desert. They just crossed over the Red Sea. They're waiting to receive the, the, the word from God. They're ready. And there's this, this excitement. There's this anticipation. And they, they're probably dusty. And they've been traveling. And they need to be clean. And, and Moses, God even says, I, I want, tell them to wash their garments. Uh, my aunt, uh, growing up, I... Uh, I went, uh, she lived in Seattle and I was visiting her and, uh, and staying with her and we went to, to go to church and I came downstairs to, to go to this worship service. It was a Sunday afternoon worship service and we're going to go together and, and my aunt was a little bit horrified because I, I came down from, uh, from my room. I had shorts uh, with a little bit of ratty kind of stuff on there, flip flops, uh, a t-shirt and, uh, and I said, okay, let's, let's go. Let's go check this place out. And uh, what, are you, what are you doing? what are you wearing? And she challenged me. It was really the first time I think I'd been challenged in what I wore for worship. And she said, would you go on a date with someone wearing this outfit? And I said, well, actually I would. (laughs) But the the point still stood, right? The point still uh, still was like, what are you doing to prepare uh, to get ready to go and worship. I hadn't really given it much thought. I threw on what I typically wear. And so uh, this is uh, maybe a point of application for me, uh, that on Sunday morning, I don't wear what I normally wear. And now, even as I'm getting dressed on Sunday morning, I'm preparing my heart for worship. As I put on a tie, which I don't wear often, I'm reminding myself that my Lord is worthy of my best. Right? I, as, I, as I put on a suit... Not the most comfortable thing. Put on the suit and the, the shirt with the cufflinks, you know, I get all fancied up, right? I want to I be ready. And that actually, uh, this conversation years ago with my aunt has changed my mindset on, on how do I prepare. Now, uh, I've been other places to go and worship, and I've been in, in jeans and a t-shirt. I've been in shorts and flip-flops. And, and it's not about what we wear. 
right? So we don't want to communicate that you have to be in a suit and tie in order to worship the Lord, because that's simply not true. The, the whole point of this is our heart. And I've just found, for me, that if I take seriously getting dressed, not just grabbing clothes from the hamper, but having washed garments, <coughs> right? putting on something helps me change my heart. It, it, it does a shift inside of me. And so I encourage, uh, perhaps uh, you might even consider how, how your dress can impact your heart and prepare you for worship. Okay, so he says, go, consecrate the people. Let them wash their garments. Uh, the psalmist in Psalm 132 says, let your priests be clothed with righteousness and let your saints shout for joy. I love uh, the imagery of uh, being clothed in righteousness, right? Uh, we're told throughout Scripture that uh, God really isn't so much, uh, He doesn't care about the sacrifices, He doesn't care about uh, the religious stuff, but what He cares about really is our heart. And so perhaps our clothing can be one of those ways that we can prepare our hearts to worship the Lord. We go, we consecrate our people, uh, we wear certain clothing, and then there is, uh, there is a caution. Um, there's a caution. Uh, but it, it says, on the third day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. <coughs> and there's a caution that follows this because worshiping the Lord and having the Lord, the presence of the Lord, uh, should be something that we almost have a fear in. And I think if we really realized what we were doing on Sunday morning, there might be more pause. We might take another moment to, <coughs> to say, what, what's actually happening here? And so uh, Moses is, to, is encouraged to, to set limits. Uh, verse 12, you shall set limits for the people all around. Take care not to go up into the mountain or touch the edge of it. Right? There's, a, there's a sense of the holiness of God would utterly destroy us. Now, the blessing that we have uh, at this day and age is that we have Christ. Christ's death, Christ's resurrection, the blood of Christ, and the curtain has been torn. And so we can enter the sanctuary and we can stand before a holy God, not on our own righteousness, but before a holy God. And so Christ has, has actually consecrated us. Christ gives us garments, His garments of righteousness for us to wear and to put on. And so as I put on my suit, I'm reminded that Christ has given me clothing to wear. Uh, and it, it changes my, how I prepare my heart. Uh, we want to set limits. We want to help others to understand what we're doing when we're worshiping the Lord. And, and we want to remind them that the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Right? That this is a healthy thing to fear the Lord, to be a little bit nervous to be in His presence. He knows all of us, and that should be terrifying. Everything is in his sight. That's a scary thought. And now I'm going to come before him and worship him and praise him. And I want to do so with clean lips, but I need the, the lips of Christ. Uh, we should come with reverence and on. I think that's what this caution here really uh, helps. The, a, a fear helps us to be reverent, to stand in awe of, what, of who God is and what he is going to share with us. And so I hope on Sundays 
and really throughout the week before that we are going around, we're encouraging our people to, to prepare to worship the Lord. We consecrate them. We remind them that they are holy because Christ has made us holy, that they can come and worship the Lord and, and they can stand before him. But don't just do so half-heartedly, but, but come with a, a prepared heart. And even maybe the clothes that we wear might be important. Uh, a lot of uh, the uh, older members of uh, churches that I've talked to really love when I tell people about that. And the younger people are like, well, wait a minute. Uh, another example of something, uh, when I was uh, helping with our youth group students and we were uh, kind of talking about worship and I was helping, that they were actually creating calls to worship and uh, we were having a great time kind of learning uh, what, what is it we're doing when we're worshiping. And, and then I, I, uh, we started talking about what we wear and being reverent and, and how we dress even. And uh, there was actually a real desire to show reverence in the dress. Uh, and, and yet they go, well, but suits are probably pretty expensive. And I said, you know, I bet you I could find some people here that if you can't afford a suit, that they would gladly <laughs> take you out <laughs> and buy you a suit. That's right. If the older adults want you to wear a suit, that's what you And what an incredible thing it would be if a middle school kid was invited by one of our seniors to go out to Joseph A. Banks. And what a day that would be, right? And what kind of conversations might come out of that? And what kind of conversations might that help that young middle school kid to see that what I wear can, can affect my heart and can get me in a right mindset in a, and a, have a right heart when I come uh, to worship the Lord? I think that would be a wonderful a youth group activity someday. Partner with the seniors and the middle school or high school kids and what a joy, uh, a joy that would be. And then perhaps you don't have to have every Sunday be uh, uh, the, the Sunday that everybody gets all dressed up for. Um, you know, the kids may, that might be a little bit of a difficulty, but it might not be. But uh, one of the things that we did, I encouraged the kids, I said, hey, uh, once a month, when, uh, because at our church we had communion once a month, and I said, so on communion Sundays, we're going to call those suit up Sundays. <laughs> and so we're going to put on a suit, and we're going to be reverent. And we're going to enter in and watch your parents' faces <laughs> when you walk into that sanctuary, when you come down to get in the car, and uh, they're going to be excited. They're going to be, uh, they're going to be excited. But we want to have reverence and awe, and I think even our, our dress uh, can help that. And then uh, I love that it says there's a trumpet that's going to sound. There's going to be a blast of the trumpet. It's going to announce it's time to worship. It's time for the, the Lord is coming down. And so when there's this long blast, uh, go up uh, to the mountain. And so uh, when I think of trumpets, I think of music, and, uh, I, and I, I wonder, how, wow, what a wonderful thing it is to, to get to uh, celebrate the Lord and worship Him through music. Uh, one of the reasons I had us uh, sing a hymn to start out is because I wanted our singing and our music to announce this time we'd have together. Right? And so uh, I didn't do a call to worship, or I didn't begin with a prayer, I actually began with a, a song. And I don't know for you, but for me, I've found that singing can be a real healthy way for me to have my heart shifted from kind of a careless entry into a church, into a time of worship, to shift my heart and my focus to say, okay, I'm ready to worship Lord. My heart is ready. And God does something to us in the music. And, and I, I feel like I felt it a little bit in this room. You know, we started a little low. Uh, when we started out singing this hymn today, right? It was a little low. 
right? You gave us the base. And, and I loved even that, that you even commented after the first verse, you said, well, turns out I'm a base. Right? But then I noticed that by the time we ended the song, there were only people singing. Nobody was focused on what the pitch was, but we were focused on uh, this song, this, this uh, music, this sound had done something even in this very room in three minutes. And so I think music can be a, a really wonderful way uh, that, that we can help prepare our hearts to come and worship the Lord. Uh, and so uh, if you would uh, turn with me to Psalm 100, I have another, uh, I, I feel like this is such a great uh, preparation song. Uh, a song that, that helps us uh, walk us through a time of preparation. And there's singing here, and, and uh, I want to read Psalm 100 for you. A psalm for giving thanks. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into His presence with singing. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us and we are His. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him. Bless His name for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and His faithfulness to all generations. Oh, what a wonderful treasure of a psalm we have. Uh, I, I love this psalm and I love the way it leads us into worship. Uh, there's uh, several things here that I'd like to, to take note. It begins saying, come into his presence with singing. With singing. Uh, oftentimes we think of the worship service beginning when the call to worship happens. Right? We're calling people to worship. But I'm going to actually encourage us to think of the beginning of worship when we wake up. That as we wake up, we're, we're starting to prepare our hearts, our minds, our, our bodies, uh, for worship. And, and so one of the things that, uh, that I've found helpful for my heart to be shifted is through music, is through singing. Uh, I have a, a particular CD that I like to put in my car so as I drive to the church, I can hear a particular music. I can worship the Lord. And uh, sometimes I'll switch it around and put something else in. And now I actually live close enough to, uh, to the church that I get to serve in that I can walk. And so sometimes I'll be singing as I walk. But I want us to consider uh, encouraging our people as they come to church to sing, to start the worship service before we start, to prepare our hearts for worship. Come into his presence with singing. The psalmist writes, know that the Lord, he is God, it is he who made us. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. And then it says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. And when I think of thanksgiving and praise, um, I certainly think of singing here. And that's kind of also the context. But songs are also prayers. And so uh, another real great way that I've found in my life is to, to begin before worship begins to prepare my heart with prayer. I know we, we think about this stuff, but in your church, do you have a specific time for prayer before anything else starts? Do you have a, a specific uh, place where people can come and gather to pray for the worship on the Lord's Day? Uh, one of the things that, uh, that was started by uh, one of the senior pastors when I was serving as an associate, uh, that half an hour before the first service, uh, whoever wanted to could come and meet and we would pray. 
And so I've carried that on and I, I do that now and I love seeing people come and, and, and we pray for the service. Now, we don't, we don't have an hour for prayer, right? We've got, we've got half an hour before the service starts and I still have to put a microphone on and do some other stuff. And so we don't have all the time in the world. But you know what? The prayers in the scriptures, if you were to read out many of the prayers, uh, you probably wouldn't go much longer than five minutes. Uh, if you were to read some of the prayers in Scripture. So we don't have to pray long. It's not about long. This is a matter of, of maybe helping us prepare to worship. That we would come and we would, we would be ready to say, we're about to do something here, Lord, and we want to honor you. We want to, to worship you. We want to praise you and bless you. And so I encourage you, maybe that's something you can, can add in. And, and so we do that with thanksgiving, and, and we, we do that with praise. And, and we, we begin our prayers. I, I love the acronym uh, ACTS, right? Uh, Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. Uh, that adoration. Lord, you are worthy for us to come and worship you. You have brought us to this place. We would have come on our own, but you did something in us. And so we're so excited to get to worship you today. And so uh, we thank you that you have allowed us the privilege to stand in your presence and to worship you. Ah, what a, a, a great thing. And so as we, as we come, I want us to think about it. As we leave from this place, I want us to think about how we prepare our people, how we go to them, how we encourage them to prepare to worship the Lord. Uh, I encourage us to, to get into singing and music and sing some of the hymns or have some of them played on your CD player on your drive-in. Uh, sometimes I would get to the church and, and I would get there before the song was done and I would just sit out in the parking lot. Nobody else is even there. And I could just enjoy like, okay, and by the time I open my door, I'm ready to go in and worship the Lord in this, in this sanctified place, in this consecrated space that he's given to us. Uh, I love uh, a quote from Martin Luther. He said, uh, next to the word of God, and we know that Martin Luther had a pretty high view of the word of God. But next to the word of God, he says, the noble art of music is the greatest treasure in the world. It controls our hearts, our minds, and our spirits. Interesting. Uh, it does have sort of a power, uh, music does. I, I love that later on in the quote, uh, he says it a little bit more forcefully. He says, and any person who uh, gives this some thought and yet does not regard music as marvelous creation of God must be a clodhopper. <laughs> Indeed, and he does not deserve to be called a human being. Wow. He should not be permitted to hear anything but the braying of asses and the grunting of hogs. <laughs> So I, I just love that. Luther had this really high view of scripture, but he also had a really high view of music and, and, and certainly in prayer. And he did not spare words. And he did not spare words. I, I've never used the word clodhopper in a sentence until just now. <laughs> clodhopper, that's great. But we want to come into his presence with singing. We want to enter his gates with thanksgiving. We want to uh, enter his courts with praise. And so uh, I encourage us to think about uh, changing our order of worship a little bit for Sunday morning. Uh, I use Planning Center when I uh, kind of walk through the services and plan. How many of you guys use Planning Center? Uh, how many of you guys actually have like a, a written out order of worship? You write it out. Um, right. And almost everybody, every one of us, uh, including Calvin, by the way, uh, begins with call to worship. And I'm going to encourage us, uh, the Westminster Society members, to consider changing that that the beginning of worship comes before the call to worship. The beginning of worship uh, comes with a preparing our hearts. 
in the way we dress, in the way we sing, in the way we pray. And, and we want to instruct our people to prepare to worship the Lord as well. Um, another thing that this is a personal pet peeve of mine is that uh, uh, I've, net, I've not yet found any of, the, uh, any of my, our ancestors that have included in a call to worship uh, any of the greats that included announcements <laughs> in the worship. Right? And often, uh, I don't know about you, but we'll do announcements and then you have the call to worship. And so we, we kind of almost say, like, well, worship doesn't really begin until the call to worship. So it's okay, we'll do announcements and then we'll have our call to worship. But I want to, and, and I'm, uh, I'm saying, I want us to think about, no, the, from the time we wake up, until, until we go, like we are preparing our hearts and we are getting ready to worship. And so I don't know that it's appropriate, actually. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of advocating for the removal of announcements from before we worship. Maybe put it at the end. If we have to do the announcements, put it at the end. Say, hey, I got some announcements before you leave. Uh, I don't know. Might be a suggestion. I've actually, uh, where I'm serving now at Bethany, I've, I've pulled the announcements out of the service, and I, I do it five minutes before the service. I go and, and do it five minutes before. And it's kind of really awkward at the first service at 9.15, because there's usually, at 9.10, there's usually only like three or four people in the sanctuary. <laughs> right? And I say, hey, welcome everyone to Bethany Church. We're glad you're here. And, uh, and here are some of the announcements of things. And, and the first week, it was really weird, because there was like literally two people in the, in, there were more people from the praise team and the pastor than there were in the rest of the sanctuary. And so I moved the announcements up, but I can continue to do it and people have caught on and uh, and so now people start to show up a little bit early if they want to hear the announcements if they don't that's fine but then uh, I'm usually done with the announcements in two or three minutes and then I say okay let's now take a moment to understand what we're about to do and let's quiet our hearts and let's prepare to worship the risen Lord this is going to be a wonderful time. And then uh, our musician will play some music, and, and uh, it's often a hymn that we can kind of almost sing along with. We can pray uh, the hymn. And, and so there's a wonderful joy. There's a beauty in the local church gathering together to worship. But I think it's even more beautiful if they come prepared. If they come prepared. <coughs> Uh, so what I'd like to do now is just kind of talk about, have a discussion to share some best practices, some things that maybe you've tried in your church uh, that, that has been a real help for you to prepare your heart for worship. Uh, I don't have all the answers. I've tried some things, and I don't know that this announcement's five minutes before things going to be able to continue because uh, there's really not that many people there uh, for it, but there's been more. Yeah. Well, this has nothing to do with best practices, but yeah. I, I learned in college that the best way to annoy the Anglo-Catholics was to tell the story about the dog that sneaks into the cathedral, and the moment that the epiclesis has been, been spoken, the dog steals the consecrated bread and runs off with it, and then you have the argument about, is it the body of Christ that the dog has just run off with? <laughs> and the Anglo-Catholics would get really, really bent out of shape about that, and the Reformed would say, it's a piece of bread. <laughs> How does that fit with what you just told us? Yeah, I mean, uh, it is a piece of bread. But I've also asked the Lord to set it apart from its ordinary use to the extraordinary use for this meal. Uh, 
I don't know. I've never run into that situation where I had a dog come. <laughs> However, I will tell you this. I was uh, serving communion to one of our homebound members. And, uh, and I served communion. And, uh, and we finished up. And I had the <coughs> bread left over. And I had uh, more of the juice. And, and uh, she said, hey, can I have the rest of the bread? And I said, oh, yeah, that's no problem. She goes, oh, great. She called her cat over. She goes, come here, Annie. Uh, I want to give you communion. They're like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> What's going on? Wait, so, did you baptize the cat first? <laughs> yeah, so, I don't know. Eating and drinking judgment on its own head, uh, right? Yeah. One of the things I love about EFPC is we do have a wideness of understanding of that yeah. and an acceptance of all versions of that. But that's not what I want to get on. What I want to get on is the announcement thing because, for me, it was a great leap of faith to take the announcements from the middle of the service mm. and move to the front. And I was very purposeful about the same reason. I said, it breaks yeah. up what we're doing. We're yeah. in the flow of worship, and we're doing all of a sudden somebody stands up and says, we're going to have a potluck supper to Yeah. Well, and Calvin's whole order of worship was all focused on preparing to hear the word of God proclaimed, right? Yeah. The word of God was just so central. And it, like there is this, that was the climax, right? And so to have the announcements anywhere close, like I don't want any closer to that. They were also doing prayer requests at the same time. So okay. A little service. Well, not okay. It would turn into you know prayer requests from the, from it was it was lengthy, okay. long, and unnecessary. So everything got jumped up to the front. Prayer requests, announcements, and everything. Interesting. Okay, so you'd argue uh, about kind of getting rid of the announcements as well. Back in the back. It was actually just a question about, uh, I'm kind of wondering about logistics. You talked about people coming to pray with you before the start of the service. Mm -hmm. Is that like you sitting in your office, kind of a rotating door situation? Yeah, so uh, I, I usually get there at least an hour before uh, the service starts, and then that gives me kind of time to just kind of collect myself a little bit uh, and, and be, be there and be ready. And then... Um, I usually have a liturgist that helps me, one of the elders uh, that helps and assists in the service. And so um, I asked them earlier in the week, please come and be with me. We'll pray in the office before, ha half an hour before. And so I can kind of go over any last minute thing real fast of like, hey, just be aware of this, whatever. And then, and then we pray. And there's usually about four or five people that will come because uh, now people have started to find out. I didn't really have to promote this very much but people find out and then uh, they'll come back and so then I just literally go around the room and anybody who wants can pray and then I close us uh, in prayer and it is sort of a set time and one person kind of praying with many people present yeah I mean so there's there's four or five of us and so the person to my left will usually start and then we'll kind of just go around the circle and I tell everybody hey we're going to just you're going to pray we're going to go around the circle we have about 10 minutes here to, to pray together I close in prayer and then uh, and then we we're ready to go out and be a part of the service, yeah. I was going to say, in, in Kelvin, this might be novel for this society, but we've used the, in, our, in our congregation a larger catechism to help mm. people prepare. When you look at the, the catechism's exposition on the fourth commandment, yeah. it, it literally says how, how to prepare for the Lord's Day worship, as well as when it gets into the Lord's Supper, it, it instructs the church on how they are to prepare. And it even has, after you have taken the Lord's Supper, what you should be thinking and instructs how you are to use this means of grace that's been given to you after after worship on Monday um, or Sunday afternoon. Sure. So that, that we don't, Using we don't more need, of the catechism. We don't need to 
rewrite anything. It's been it's in our it's in our constitution. Yeah. It's right there. You can cut and paste an email. You got it. <coughs> I think that's great. Yeah. Yeah, kind of building off that, one of the things that we try to do is uh, the Book of Worship says that the session is supposed to notify the congregation at least a week in advance before you receive the sacrament. And that is not just to let them know that's the Sunday they need to make sure to check off the box to be at worship. The, that is to spend that week in preparation. We are to examine ourselves. We are to come in a worthy manner unless we eat and drink judgment upon ourselves. We need to really convey the severity of what is being said there and also preparing our hearts to come into his holy presence and to to prepare our hearts for what is taking place and one of the things that i recommend that i do with my family is use the psalter we're presbyterian we have a long history of singing psalms in fact for most of the presbyterian history it was exclusive psalmody for for a lot of that Get a Psalter. Most of those Psalms are going to be set to hymns that you're going to know. In fact, A Mighty Fortress is Our God is set to several, that tune is to several Psalms. Use a Psalter in your home. You're singing scripture. You and your wife or, or husband and your children are, are learning the word of God, having that continually resonate within you, and then encourage your congregation to do the same thing. You can print copies off and hand those out. But we should constantly be pointing ourselves in, in preparation weekly and in service the whole order of worship is supposed to go through the historic redemptive plan death burial resurrection ascension and so we're continually pointing towards that so we should be in a state of continual worship and preparation yeah. as well so That's those good. are some of the, I, I thought yeah about so. you know paul at our church i've been in choir for over 30 years we have never left the choir room without first having a prayer and, you know, we're focusing a little bit on preparing for the music and practice, but that prayer resets the tone before we can get into the congregation yeah. sanctuary. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's a great idea. Plus, our choir music um, also dovetails with the sermon. Yeah, it does. It and, always does. and so we've been preparing for weeks. Right, right. <laughs> uh, I also want to just comment what Matthew said also about uh, announcing uh, communion. Uh, boy, what a, an easier thing it is for those of you who celebrate communion every week uh, to announce that, hey, next week we're having communion, prepare. And so you'd, it'd be a, a real easy reminder every week to do that. But those of us uh, who maybe only have communion once a month, let's make sure we at least tell people to prepare once a month. Uh, but I'd like to see us have everybody prepared every week. But yeah, great. Yeah. Uh, I think we'd all want to have like 50 people in prayer before worship, but that's not going to happen. Or it might. Um, We're almost. Uh, out, I'm, I'm out of chairs already in my office. So, <laughs> yeah. so we have a prayer time, 45 minutes before the first service, and only three of us there pretty regularly. But I have, within the last six months, started to say in worship or, or refer back to prayer time. Like there are things that come through prayer time that are very pertinent into worship, and I tie that prayer time into people know that the place they are being prepared before they mm -hmm. arrive. And I want them to know that, that they're being prepared through prayer, even though they're not actively engaged. Sure. And the choir is also, um, we're, we're shifting the culture of our choir to be a, um, not a rehearse and perform group, mm -hmm. but a worship leadership community, a discipleship community, <coughs> where they're learning to be worship leaders, they are to be engaged in prayer. So we just kind of multiplied our, our three people to 15 
by looking at the choir, inviting the choir to prepare that particular service in prayer and start to shift their view of themselves as shepherds in worship, right. co-leaders in worship. Yep. And that, that has adds a whole bunch of other stuff downstream. It could be a good article. There you go. Okay, well, um, okay, go. What? This is the last one. Yeah. You mentioned earlier about uh, the, the scripture before, you know, having that out ahead of time so that people were prepared. Mm -hmm. I think I've seen a lot of churches where they have a series so that they publish it, you know, maybe a month in advance or at least a couple weeks in advance. I know we're doing that right now. Uh, reading through the New Testament in a year, and every week it's being preached, what we covered in the past week. And it's amazing to me how much more prepared people are, how people are, are you know, midweek texting the pastor saying, okay, you, here, here's my question. And you might actually, you might gain some extra illustrations, you might gain some extra <laughs> insights as people we kind of talk about it together. Well, that's great. Well, we have uh, just a few minutes left before our time is up here. Uh, so what I would like to do is I would like to consecrate you. Okay. I would like to, uh, to uh, tell you to wash your clothes, <laughs> right? Or, or uh, metaphorically, obviously, but uh, to, to help you. And I want you to be prepared uh, because in just a couple hours, we're going to go worship our God. Uh, as a general assembly together and it's going to be a glorious time and I hope that perhaps is in this little bit of preparation that we do right here that you will have uh, a, a heightened sense of awareness of what it is we're doing today so with that uh, would you bow your heads and let's pray uh, Father I pray right now in the name of Jesus Christ that your Holy Spirit would come and make each one of us holy in fact you've already made us holy through Jesus Christ through his blood through his death, through his resurrection. But Lord, I pray and ask now that you would help each person in their heart know that they are holy children of you, that you have chosen them, that you have called them your own, and that you have called us here in this place in Colorado to come and worship you. And, and uh, so Lord, we pray that you would, uh, would wash over us. And as we feel the clothes on our bodies, Lord, that we would feel your presence cleansing us again. Uh, we, are, we know we're a sinful people, Lord. And so we need, to be, uh, we need to be cleansed by you, made clean by you. And in fact, we are. And so, Lord, uh, help us to be mindful now as we go from this place to, uh, to go and be prepared to worship you this afternoon. This is not a little thing that we're doing today. And so, Lord, we pray that it would be a very meaningful time together as we worship you, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, our God. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we do pray. Amen. Amen.